Welcome back, everybody, to the Boiler Upload Podcast. It is your post-4th of July edition. And we know a lot of you traveled over the 4th of July. I'm hoping that you use Reindeer Shuttle because driving to the airport sucks. And uh, you just don't want to get on the highway with uh, those people or park your car or anything else. So, What do you mean uh, by those people, Travis? Well, anybody that's driving drunk on the highway. You don't want to do that. (laughs) It's a holiday weekend, man. You got to be careful. (laughs) You want to sit on a nice bus. They'll bounce off the bus. I don't think we need to worry about that part there. (laughs) Anyway, we do thank you, Reindeer Shuttle, for us. And we also have a new sponsor. We are a partner with uh, Homefield Apparel. They are launching a brand new Purdue line this coming Saturday. And uh, it looks great. Homefield Apparel has some wonderful vintage T-shirts. They are all officially licensed. And if you use the code BOILERUPLOAD at homefieldapparel.com, you can even get a discount on your first order. So now that we've gotten all the bills paid out of the way, it is time to get to the podcast itself. With us tonight, as always, is Jace Jellison. How are you, Jace? I'm doing swell, Travis. How are you? I am good. And then, as always, chiming in, with the dynamite drop in on the ads, Casey Bartley. Hello. Big weekend, <laughs> you... of, uh, big weekend of golf, personally, for me. Lafayette City Tournament. Should have been are, are, are we talking about the Lafayette City Champion right now? No, we haven't got that far yet. Part of oh. the championship bracket. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't know we were in the presence of royalty. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, it has been a busy, busy time of recruiting since the last time we were on the podcast. So let's uh, start with Jace. Uh, this is a top 20 recruiting class now, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, it feels like we talk about it every week, uh, just how good a job Ryan Walters and the staff is doing. And then they keep up in the ante and keep on improving and improving and improving this class. Um, I was looking back through the old rivals um, recruiting class rankings and stuff like that. Uh, do you guys want to guess the top rated recruiting class Purdue's ever had? Uh, according to rivals, it was 20th. Yes. Well, That's yeah. only because I, mean, I published 20th. an article on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was 20th all the way back in 2004. Um, the highest under Brown was 26. And obviously all these things are kind of fluid with um, just the I mean, the transfer portal in that day and age and, and kids flipping and, and late additions to the recruiting class and things like that. But, I mean, Ryan Walters putting him in the top 20 already, at least on paper right now, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly impressive to see uh, just like the 180 he's done in the recruiting department, really catering to what this, this younger generation wants from coaches. And, I mean, they want to be seen, they want to be celebrated, and I feel like – Coach Walters has done a phenomenal job of doing that. Speaking of, with the news that Pat Gerald will no longer be the Fitzgerald, will be the coach at Northwestern, mm-hmm. is there any, does that disruption, is there anyone that was considering between Northwestern and Purdue that you might think uh, might flip? Ty Hudkins was the one that was kind of down at Purdue and, and Northwestern, but um, with Coy Beasley coming along, committing, I don't know if that offer is still going to stand. Um, I mean, Purdue's already got seven defensive backs in the class, yeah. and I know they will <laughs> they will take one more in Leontre Bradford, who can, I'm sure we'll talk. Go can ahead. Any Casey. of them play offensive tackle? 
no, but Purdue did get two offensive tackles recently. So hey, look at that. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, Ty, Ty Hudkins would would have been the one, but um, just with the guys that they've got in the secondary, I don't see um, Purdue still extending that offer. Unfortunately for him. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at Northwestern's class right now, and it's all three stars except for one two-star quarterback they have at the bottom. So they're actually pretty far down the list in the Big Ten recruiting <laughs> rankings right now. They are 13th ahead of only Indiana. <laughs> now, I don't know. Are we counting USC for these 24 rankings as part of the Big Ten, right? Um. <laughs> Rivals is not yet. They don't have them categorized that way, but it's pretty easy to go in and take a look. Uh, I'm going to guess that USC has a better ranking than Northwestern. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to say. Without without USC and UCLA, Purdue is currently sixth in the Big Ten, uh, and they have slipped to 19th today, I believe, for Georgia Tech passed them just briefly. Uh, USC is currently 11th nationally, so they would be ahead of Purdue. UCLA is uh, still scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> I mean, the one I'll thing, guess. like, obviously we work for Rivals, and Rivals does a good job of ranking. Mm. It, the specific spot doesn't really matter. It's just, are you within a window of, yeah. you know, top 30? Do you have top mm-hmm. 30 talent coming in? Do you have top 40 talent coming in? It's a little, we get obsessed over the exact number. But just the fact that Purdue is hanging around in this top mm-hmm. twenty is a really good sign. And not Absolutely, done previously. Yeah, because Brom had uh, three classes that were in the top thirty-five. His twenty twenty-two class, his twenty twenty-two class was thirty-fourth. Like seven wide receivers each year. <laughs> uh, see, twenty twenty-two was thirty-fourth. Twenty twenty was thirtieth. Twenty nineteen was twenty-sixth. And aside from Danny Hope having a uh, 33rd rated class in 2012, those are the only classes that Purdue has had in the top 50 since 2006. (laughs) If he would have grown his hair out at Purdue, would he still be the head coach? I don't know, man. That that was a glorious, glorious mullet he had when he was an assistant. It is. I mean, he was Silver Fox, man. Anyway, enough enough about Danny Hope. Uh, let let's get to the guys that have committed here. Uh, what what do we know about them, Jace? I mean, a lot of them are. You you can see why Purdue went after a lot of them. I'll start in the secondary. Just Coach Carter, specifically at cornerback, they've gone after guys who are six one and above, um, stronger guys who can still run. Um, so that's kind of the prototype that that they've wanted, and I think you see. I mean, Coach Walters wasn't wasn't shy about saying we're going to see who's here in August, right? Um, earlier this spring, so they're trying to bring their guys in, um, and they're doing that most specifically at, at cornerback with those, those bigger guys. And then Grant O'Brien, you have to tip your cap to him because I think he's been the lead recruiter on guys like Coy Beasley and Luke Williams, and I think. Coach Walters has also been in on a lot of those meetings and conversations and things like that, but he's gotten two of arguably the best the best recruits in the class um, at that position. And obviously, like we talked about a little bit last week, uh, Coy Beasley can can move around a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the versatility that you got here. You got a couple guys listed specifically as athletes that could be mm-hmm. defensive backs or receivers. 
And, you know, it's just a matter of, okay, where are these guys going to catch on? Where, where, where can they perform the best? And I think that this new coaching staff seems equipped to really make them play to their strengths. Yeah. When you, I think the Purdue coaching staff is just looking at traits and physical tools and things like that. They can teach you the X's and O's and and the techniques and, and things like that. But um, if you've got the physical tools and the traits, they're going to want you and then they'll figure out where to put you after. I remember coach Walters um, on February 1st, after the, the recruiting, the 2023 recruiting class was officially um, locked in. He talked about it. He was like, yeah, we're going to see how these guys do in the summer, spring, um, and even fall camp before we really decide on what position they're actually going to play at Purdue. So they're looking at just these athletes and then they can, they can move them around wherever they see fit. And I think that that'll be the beauty of, of coach Walter's defense specifically. Absolutely. And got a couple of promising looking defensive ends there too. Uh, Jamari Payne being the newest recruit. I'm liking that size six three two fifty five on the end. That's, that sounds good. And he is very, he's super intriguing to me because he kind of crept up on everyone. Um, the last week of June set his official visit, talked to coach Deneen, um, got that set up and obviously committed few weeks after um he's kind of a tweener between outside linebacker and defensive end um they don't quite know which which spot he's gonna fill in yet um I think he's athletic enough to play outside linebacker and then if he puts on some more pounds he'll be big enough to play defensive end in this system so I think he'll be able to play either way um uber athletic I was talking to his coach um a few days ago and he was telling me that he was 240 playing wide receiver for them which is absolutely insane granted i will there is a bit of a caveat they are a 1a school um so he's not playing against kind of the upper echelon of of talent as far as high schoolers go but still to have that versatility he played running back edge defensive tackle wide receiver and tight end on high school so just that he's pretty much like the little giants movie I've never seen that movie, but sure. Of course you haven't, Jace. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I think it's pretty impressive to get a guy like that when Auburn is literally in his backyard. Uh, so you know that if he has some talent, they would have been giving him a look. I mean, they, they had to have given him a look. Yeah, one of his teammates, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's actually committed to Auburn. Um, he might already be down there. He's a 2023 kid, so. Um, Auburn, Auburn frequents that area, obviously being down there, um, Bama, those schools, but, um, I think it's a really good get and he's going to be an underrated kid. Uh, I don't think he'll come in and be like, be like a day one starter or anything like that. I think he'll, it'll take him a little bit to just get used to the physicality of the big 10. Um, but I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of physical traits. You know, speaking of day one starters, do you see anybody as, guys that would be day one starters uh obviously you know there's some discussion of marcos davila depending on what hardson card does this year and everything else but uh definitely there's got to be a couple of guys here that you might see suit up day one yeah i'll start with marcos davila um i think purdue would be in a really tough spot if they asked him to start day one Um, yeah i think in a perfect world hudson card stays two years and he's the bridge to Marcos Davila, who, who maybe starts two years and heads off to the NFL, maybe. Um, 
because but if if Hudson Carr leaves early and Marcus Deville is not ready, you're gonna have to bring in another transfer portal quarterback. And there's what ten to fifteen of those guys each year now that we've seen that could start at Purdue. So uh, it, I don't think Marcos will start his freshman year or maybe even his redshirt freshman year. Um, but he is a guy that I could see potentially playing if 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 need be. If Harold turns Card into an NFL quarterback in one or two years, another transfer will be happy to come. Yes. If Harold's still there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because that's the way that Harold becomes a uh, head coach head somewhere. Coach, yeah. <laughs> Which is a good problem to have, honestly. That means things are going very well. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll cross that road if it happens. <laughs> but yeah, who else do you see as an instant impact guy? I think Coy Beasley is going to be a guy that comes in. He's not going to be a Rondell Moore type of guy where he's a freshman All-American, an All-American uh, flat out. But he's a guy that one of the main sticking points, I think, for him was being able to play multiple positions. Um, he talked about it, being able to play offense, defense, and special teams. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to be able to get on the field early. Um, I was talking to his head coach, Chad Murphy, and he said that big-time Power 5 schools were looking at him as a wide receiver, cornerback, and safety. So he's got D1 ability at all three of those spots. Uh, I think eventually, because you look around college football, aside from maybe Travis Hunter, I mean, who's really playing both ways in an elite level? I don't know if we can pinpoint anybody. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't want to put those lofty expectations on him. Um, I think he could try it out for a year or two and then – uh, potentially stick at defense because I know Grant O'Brien was his main recruiter. Um, they like his skills as a defensive back. So um, I think he could most likely end up there. But um, you have to think one of the guys in the secondary is going to be able to bust out and, and potentially see the field. I don't I don't know if I don't know if any of them have the ability of, of breaking onto the scene like Rondell Moore did. I know I just said it, but uh, Rondell Moore did something special. And I think sometimes as fans we look at a we look at guys and are like oh this guy could come in as a freshman and start i don't i just don't i just don't find that uh find that likely rondale moore did something that had never been done in big 10 history and being named an all-american as a true freshman so mm-hmm. uh if somebody can do that tip your cap and that's that's not just purdue history that is big 10 history <laughs> So, uh, you know, you, you just can't count on that out of nowhere every year. Um, so how many spots do you think are left and uh, how many more guys do you think they're going to go after here? Obviously, still a busy recruiting time. Mm, I think Coach Walters is going to try to fill up this class as much as he can. Um, you saw it last this past cycle. Uh, they were still trying to fill in guys at the last minute. Um, there could potentially be another mass exit is mass exodus um, of guys in the transfer portal following this year if they if they don't like their playing time or what have you. So um, I think Purdue's going to keep pursuing these guys uh, heavily. But some of the names that I know Purdue fans are, are eager to see what they're going to decide, obviously Tavion Galloway is at the top of that list, four-star tight end from Ohio. He was committed to LSU for just about a year um, before he decommitted and He's kind of been all over the place, kind of dropping hints and and posting pictures of him in a UCF jersey. And then earlier today, he posted a picture of him in a Purdue jersey. Um, I was told that there is a possibility that he could 
be back on campus for another visit at the end of July. I think if he follows through with that, um, it could spell very good news for Purdue. Um, you look at that tight end position, they don't really have anyone else in, in the 2024 class that they're looking at right now. I think if Galloway went another way, that they'd find somebody um, to go after. But um, he's easily the top guy on their board right now uh, overall. Any other notes before we uh, shift over to uh, some basketball talk? Yeah, two other guys, or three other guys, actually, excuse me, um, that should be making, could possibly be making their decisions soon. Uh, Leontre Bradford, he walked away from his official visit at Purdue, didn't commit. Um, John McNamara of Rivals put in a future cast for him for Mizzou, um, but I still think Purdue feels like they can land him uh, potentially. I, I don't think it'll be f- soon that he'll make a decision. I He told me that he wanted to take officials to Mizzou and Arkansas before he made the decision. So um, that one could play out in, in the next few months um, as opposed to weeks. And then two guys that I could see potentially making decisions soon, D'Amico Kennedy and Jalen Jones. Um, Kennedy's basically down between Purdue and Illinois. So it's going to be another big 10 West battle uh, similar <laughs> to how it was for Luke Jones or uh, Luke Williams. Um, I, I, I don't see Purdue or Illinois having the clear edge right now. I think it's truly a 50, 50 for him, uh, but he should be making a decision this month. And then Jalen Jones is a guy that, He's down between Purdue and SMU, essentially. Um, took his official visits to both schools, but hasn't made a decision yet. Um, I've been told that a decision could be coming, but there's no clear front runner for him either. Cool. Well, that's that's some good news. And got to keep this hot streak going, man, because uh, it's very exciting. The hardest part for something like this is that you sometimes have to wait two or three years before you really see that class come to fruition. Uh, we saw that with this class that uh, Brom got, which is start, uh, struggled a little bit in 2019 and 2020, but really paid off in 21 and 22, mm-hmm. 17 wins the last two years. So uh, if you can get through that first year, seems like things could go extremely well. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's shift over to some basketball and uh, that's Casey's area of expertise. Uh, let's talk about Miles Colvin a little bit. What did you see from him in the uh, U19 World Cup where the United States did not even medal? It's not a great couple years of talent coming in. Um, I think Colvin sat on the bench very nicely for a lot of it. Um, he was <laughs> one of the lower guys on the rotation. That said, when he did get in, I thought he showed a lot of the things that Purdue is going to be really excited and needs on their team this year. Um, In transition, just an absolute beast. Showed pretty good handle, um, pretty impressive with the way he was able to dribble at full speed through through bodies. Um, Decent looking shot. I still think it's a little inconsistent, though I'd say he has a tendency to finish his jump shot going down, and that's just something you want to clean up a little bit, but most true freshmen come in with a lot of things they need to just tinker with their jump shot. Still an Uber athlete. I thought it was interesting that when he was on the field or on the court, he was guarding a lot of point guards. I think that's helpful. I think if you look at Purdue's roster this year, guarding smaller, quicker athletic guys is something that they definitely could lack. Cause right now, when you look at the roster, it's pretty much Lance Jones and Braden Smith was better than expected. Still not, 
obviously going to struggle with any guard that has size because of mm-hmm. just how diminutive he is. But if that's, if you're looking at a way that Colvin's going to really earn some playing time, it's going to be an effective defensive presence. Cause I, it's hard to imagine lawyer Smith, not playing close to 30 minutes a game. And the one way you're going to edge them out, you're not going to outshoot them. You're probably not going to out execute them as a true freshman, but you all, he offers size and athleticism and strength that those guys don't have. So if he can show that on the defensive end and fill in a little more for like the Brandon Newman role on the wing or against guards. And the fact he got to do that and show that a little bit at FIBA world cup is a good sign. Also, he, I mean, he's young for that team. Uh, hasn't played any college ball, you know, when Jay Nivey and Caleb first were on that team, they'd already played a year of college. So it's an entirely different experience for them to go out there and play that well. So, Encouraging that he never looked out of place. Um, I think you saw kind of the role he'll play at Purdue. He's not going to be a first option. One thing that highlights is I think Colvin throughout his high school career and in that kind of environment, there's not much structure to the offense and he does disappear at times. Um, Jace can confirm that when he watched some of the all-star stuff for someone that talented and that athletic and technically with every offensive skill you'd want, the offense just doesn't naturally navigate through him. He doesn't always take over. You've seen that Travis, when you watched him in high school and you Mm -hmm. mentioned it, that he just for as spectacular as he can be, he can kind of disappear on the basketball court. And that's a little concerning, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's a good spot for him to land in where Purdue's offense is so structured. They're really, I mean, with Edie on the floor, he's going to have alleyways and a lot of space. And it's probably going to be the most structured, easy offense he's ever had to play and gotten to play to this point in his career. So it'll, it'll be cool to see how he can flourish with that. So yeah, it's good experience. Once again, I'm not, he, he's back in town. He had his first practice with the team today. So he is now going to get a crash course in Purdue basketball, college basketball. So now the real learning begins. <laughs> Do you think he uh, makes kind of an impact at the three? Because I kind of see that as the weakest spot of the starting five. It could be Morton, could be him, could be Heidi. I mean, that's to me, that's going to be the linchpin of what really opens things up and makes Purdue look a little bit different. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's – when you watch this team and you look at it, there's only real two spots for minutes. That is the backup guard and the three hole. You're not, there's 14 power forwards on the team and Zach Eaton. So <laughs> you're not going to be a big wing. And you know, the starter minutes of Braden Smith and lawyer are there. So yeah. really you've got maybe 20, 25 minutes of guard play off the bench. And then, whoever plays that 40 minutes of three and that's an Ethan Morton question. It's a Camden Heidi question. It's a miles Colvin question. Clearly Colvin has the highest ceiling out of those guys, but how often do true freshmen get there? Mm-hmm. Cause even Jaden Ivy is a true freshman, you know, was good in stretches spectacular, but he didn't play over 20 minutes a game till the end of the season. So it, I can see it in two ways where 
Ethan Morton really needs to take 25 to 30 minutes this year. He needs to shoot better. That's what I'm saying. He needs to play in a way that it is undeniable that he plays that much. Mm-hmm. I think that is the highest ceiling. And then Colvin can fill in 15, 20 minutes, Heidi, 10 to 15. That is the ideal scenario because you want that experience. You want that size. You want that defense. But Miles Colvin, I, I'm not going to say he's not talented enough and doesn't have enough of the tools that he could absolutely take the starting role, take 20, 25 minutes off there. Like that's within the realm of him. It'll be interesting to see. I think Europe's going to be great for him at Purdue mm-hmm. playing within that structure. I, Matt Painter is going to have a better idea of this team than probably any team he's ever had before because they mostly come back. And the only thing he adds is Lance Jones, who while new to Purdue four years of college tape on him, I guarantee you Matt Painter didn't take him with any mysteries in his game. He knows what he is and he's going to be able to see it in Europe. And then miles Colvin, same thing. Like Matt Painter has thrived with freshman rate lately, just did it last season. And now he gets to add, him and Heidi to a rotation he already really likes. He really liked his team last year. And obviously they they had the tournament low, but they overachieved all year. So I I think Matt Painter's squad is looking looking good again. But yeah, Miles Colvin is I think I his is going to be the hardest narrative because him playing a lot could mean really good things and him not playing a lot could mean really good things. True. And you, you mentioned Europe there. That was going to be my next question is how's this team preparing and uh, what, what do you want to see come out of this trip? Cause obviously they can only do it. What once every four years. Yeah. Um, I personally, I want to see them really lock into being a physical team on the defensive end. I'm not worried about offense. Um, Anytime you have Zach Eady playing 30, 35 minutes, you're going to get points. Like, yeah, you'll have games where you don't shoot. I'm not really worried about that. I want to see a team that really leans into and learns how to take it to another team. I want them to be physical on the perimeter. I want them, they're 10, 11 deep. I want them to use that to their advantage. I want them to be the team forcing officials to actually blow the whistle. I think we've Mm -hmm. seen consistently through the Big Ten, through the tournament, they're not going to call everything. They never will. They never can, not on any level. So be the team that brings your defense into the other team, upset some things, get in the way, and I I want them to have that as an option. And I think you got that when you have the front court that you've got with first, with TKR with Gillis with Edie. I mean, shoot, Will Berg can be an emergency guy. That's, I mean, and he can be a different look too if you want to try some things out. So I, I'm kind of curious to see how that'll work too, uh, especially with Berg. Is he actually going to play or is he still uh, battling that foot injury? Haven't heard if he'll be all the way ready for Europe yet. Um, I don't think he'll play during the season. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where the minutes would be. Oh, there'll be some minutes there in the blowout games at home. Okay, if we're can, are we here to analyze blowout games? Because like, Trey Kaufman, Red, Caleb first, Mason Gillis, Zach Eady. They don't. Painter doesn't have enough minutes for those guys. Yeah. So, Wilberg playing would be shocking to me because <laughs> Trey Kaufman, Red, 
is expected and will expand upon his role last year and offer a little the issue to issue Purdue had last season when Caleb first was out on the floor I believe they were uh, it's something it was like a six point swing they got six points better on defense six points worse on offense when Mason Gillis was on the floor they were six points better on offense six points worse on defense they need to find a balance there where they can get those six points on both offense and defense. And I'm not sure Trey Kaufman Wren isn't the ideal for that. I still think Caleb first at five is an interesting thing to unlock. Uh, but Trey needs to be able to play a little more four. I there's a lot of players at three. I'm not entirely sold that Mason Gillis can't play a little three if necessary. So I think there are a lot of a lot of places around there to play with stuff. But yeah, I don't I have a hard time imagining this is the year for William Berg. Next year, Edie leaves. There's a lot of minutes at five. He'll be fine. <laughs> Just wait one more year. Well, let's put it this way. If Wilberg is playing, it probably means Purdue's winning by a lot in the last couple of minutes. How's Correct. that? All right. Correct. Well, that, that's good. Well, as we start to wind things down here, uh, I usually like to keep this about half an hour. wanted to start a little bit of a roundtable here, just maybe one question where we each chime in on it. And my question is, what do you think Purdue's final record for football is? And uh, Jace, I'll let you start things off since you've been closer to the program here this summer. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because there's so many unknowns with this team, but – you look at this schedule, which is kind of how I'm basing it off of. I think six and six should be a given. I think bowl eligible should be a given. Um, I could see them potentially getting into seven and five, um, but I think they'll be within that. My final prediction is going to be seven and five, but I can see them being between that teetering on bowl eligibility, um, that kind of brink, to keep it short and sweet for you. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Casey, how about yourself? Looking at, I mean, it's interesting. Good. You've got a couple other programs that you kind of have to gauge how they're going to bounce back. Is Matt rule going to turn Nebraska around right away? If so, that became that game game becomes uh pretty big. I'm going to go eight and four. Um, oh. Don't believe in Iowa. Don't really believe in Nebraska. Not sure. Minnesota is going to be there and, Sounds like Northwestern's going to fall apart this year. IU's already falling apart. Their pieces on the floor, and I, I think there's a lot of momentum. And I think as long as Hudson Carr's really good, and I definitely think he's capable of that, and I believe in Ryan Walters' defense, and I think it's going to be shocking what he can get out of them since Purdue really hasn't had that in a long time. So I'm going to go aim for. Um, Non-conference, I don't think a clean sweep would not shock me. Mm-hmm. So that, eight that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I am. Is there's a lot of toss-up games on this schedule. I mean, I would I would be absolutely shocked if they beat Ohio State and Mich- or Michigan. Uh, you know, I'm probably more shocked if they were to win at Michigan than if they were to beat Ohio State and West Lafayette, just because of that bizarre voodoo hex they have over him uh in west lafayette purdue gonna beat uh, wisconsin finally I see, <laughs> you know me. i see wisconsin you know me. i see wisconsin improving uh, uh, okay, with wisconsin okay, 
So no, not even close. So, beating Wisconsin in football. in a row. Yeah, beating Wisconsin in football is like Purdue men's basketball reaching a Final Four. I'll believe it when I actually see it happen with my own eyes. And both of them have uh, came extremely close to happening, pretty close to each other. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think Wisconsin gets them. Uh, I think that. Uh, if you can get a split between Iowa and Nebraska, both of those games on the road, um, Iowa still continues. I was going to be good, right? Iowa's well, going to have a fantastic defense. Their offense is just going to suck. How'd that work last well, year? They brought they Purdue 24 to three. <laughs> I listen, I don't think Iowa's going to come out and drop 35 a game, but you bring in Cade McNamara, who is leaps and bounds better than Spencer Petrus. Um, at, at quarterback, he led, he helped lead Michigan to a Big Ten championship, um, in the college football playoff. Um, and then you bring in guys like Eric All at tight end, Caleb, Caleb Brown at wide receiver, excuse me. Um, and then Caleb Johnson in the backfield, who I think is one of the more underrated running backs in the league. Um, I think Iowa can surprise some people too, because I think we all talk about Iowa like, like they weren't bowl eligible, like they went four and eight last year, they went eight and five with one of the worst offenses in the country. I think we talk about Iowa like their offensive coordinator has a my daddy will spank me clause in his contract. <laughs> That's true as well. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm going to ridicule and dismiss Iowa until until I deem Ferentz is gone. <laughs> oh my God. That was, whew. It is. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm leaning towards Jace. I, I'm thinking seven and five. I think you've got to beat Indiana. You've got to beat Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern just is going to be an absolute mess. Anytime you fire your coach eight weeks before the season starts, it's going to be a disaster coming off of a one and 11 season. Uh, they have some potential to be historically awful. So uh, that's got to be a game that you win. Um I, but there's so many games that are toss-ups. I mean, Syracuse came down to the wire last year. They come to Purdue this year. Should be a fun home game. Virginia Tech, it's a tough atmosphere, but they had their worst season in several years last year. So I'm not going to say Purdue is guaranteed to win that, but I think they've got a pretty good shot. Fresno State, they are their group of five team, but they always play teams tough. So um, I think you're going to see – I think this team's going to show a lot in those first three games and those non-conference games. And if they were to get through those three undefeated, I mean, shoot, I think they could repeat in the West. And because uh, there's nobody that is far and away, I think the best team in the West and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. So as of right now, I'm going to go seven and five, but they win those first three games. You know, sky's the limit. I, I think like where Purdue has their bye week. I like that yes. it comes after the Ohio State game, mid-October, and then they get a clean slate of five games. At Nebraska, at Michigan, Minnesota at home, at Northwestern, Indiana. You get one out of two out of Nebraska and Michigan, I feel really good about the season. <laughs> yeah, and uh, most likely you're getting Nebraska. So I'm not, I I don't think Purdue is winning at Michigan. I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But you're asking to win at the two-time defending champs, and Purdue has one victory there since 1966. So, uh, so at least that seems like one more victory than they have over Wisconsin anywhere since 1966. Yeah. At least that's the way it feels. So, 
<laughs> anyway, that will uh, wrap things up for this week. We do thank you for listening. We do remind you uh, of the Purdue collection dropping at homefieldapparel.com this week. Uh, to check it out on Saturday. Use code BOILERUPLOAD to get a nice discount on your first order. And uh, just keep that in mind. So for Jason, for Casey, and myself, I am Travis Miller and Boiler Up. <laughs>